I know you're paying attention to global events as well as what's going on in our nation. War and increased conflict is bubbling up in more places. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. Call Oxford Gold Group right now, and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. 833-995-G-O-L-D. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Pure Talk, the cell phone service my family relies on, is now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. As you plan your summer travel, make sure your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Unlimited talk, text, plenty of 5G data for just $20 a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Go to puretalk.com slash clay and make the switch today. That's puretalk.com slash clay and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Switch to Pure Talk so you can have more money to travel with this summer. Welcome to today's edition of the Rush Limbaugh Show podcast. It's an incredible honor to be your guide host today. A day the Lord has made in these times in which God has decided we will live the work behind the scenes to put together this program for you, where we weave Rush's wisdom into today's news and topics thereabouts. It's an extraordinary amount of work, and it is a labor of love. It's 800-282-2882 if you want to join us today. I want to just recognize that tomorrow uh, Joe Biden will read something he's probably been rehearsing for months And it's going to smell like a celebration of the lockdown. And it's going to be that. It's going to be for them. I think it's a celebration of the pandemic. Uh, This has been the most politicized thing I've ever seen. It's, It's changed my personal view of our national public health authorities and state public health authorities. And we'll talk about that. I want to kick this straight off, though, with just going back to something that Rush taught us very clearly, that Democrats, for them, everything is political. And he he spoke very clearly now in, in this hindsight, this one year since this was named the pandemic in this hindsight, listen afresh and think about one man in D.C. who seemed obsessed with doing everything he could to protect people while others around him, many, far too many, seemed obsessed with politicizing. So Rush Limbaugh. Reminded us how President Trump's swift action to attempt to keep the virus out of the country was assailed by the Democrats and their mockingbird media members. Very early days of this, you could see every government official not wanting people to panic and they're trying to keep them from panicking by saying, come on, everything's fine. This thing is no different than the flu. Everybody was trying to downplay the potential badness of this thing. And then as time went on, one guy... One guy 
didn't have the freedom to act like, hey, everything's fine. Trump banned all incoming travel from China. And guys like Biden and the rest started calling him a racist and a xenophobe. The one guy that was trying to do something about it. And Trump saying, I didn't want people to panic. And you're exactly right. We do panic. There's no reason for there to be a toilet paper shortage. There's no reason for a run on toilet paper in any kind of a viral pandemic. I think it's all an exercise here in finger-pointing that is not going to carry any weight with anybody because everybody was in one degree of panic or another back in the beginning and didn't know anything about it. Everybody was uh, alternately scared or not. You can find people contradicting themselves from the highest level of expertise our country has to offer. Absolutely. And early on in this pandemic, as we were trying to figure it out, there was reason to be very concerned. And what we observed, again, is a Trump and Limbaugh dynamic. Here's what I mean. I don't believe President Trump would be president, would have been, without a little wishful thinking. Would have been. Well, I, was, I was wishing he still was. That I, I, I don't think he would have been president without uh, Rush Limbaugh. And there's this dynamic here that, that I think sometimes God chooses very interesting characters to do things for us. President Trump took this very seriously from the beginning, and somewhere along the line, a, a switch got flipped. And the same media that had said, this is just the flu, and there's hundreds of headlines, hundreds of headlines that said that. Tony Fauci said, you know, if I was a young person, you know, this would probably be a good time to, to, to go to Italy. And he was talking about that when Italy was shutting down. Take a cruise to Italy. Something, a, a switch got flipped. And all of a sudden, the effort was then to, uh, in my judgment, to scare people. And, and there's a cost to this. There's a massive cost. It was around this time frame that the CDC made a subtle change in how deaths are reflected. And where prior to this, to, to, call, to say that someone had died from the flu, there was a process to that. It was, it was more of a hard science. And the CDC made the decision to soften that science. And you ended up with the most insane things being called COVID deaths. One, one just horrific and stands out to me was a woman was working on her home. And she fell and she had a, you know, a terrible couple of, of skull fractures. And she ultimately succumbed to that. But she had tested positive for the COVID at one point. And it was reflected as a COVID death. And, and these, these are abundant across the United States. That one was in Florida. And then Ron DeSantis did a great job of cleaning up the public health uh, sort of data down there. Jay Inslee's Washington State was counting people who were killed by gunshot. They were caught twice, twice. It's changing the numbers in counting things like suicides and motorcycle crashes as COVID deaths. Now, part of this was there was a financial, a, a financial dynamic to this, an incentive. And Rush has talked to us for many, many years about perverse incentives that are built into government programs. The perverse incentive to have uh, black fathers leave the home. The perverse incentives built into originally <laughs> Joe Biden's alleged COVID bailout. $1.9 trillion 
that maybe 600 million, maybe, went to COVID. They originally wanted to pay people more money to stay home than to work. So it's it's a classic big government thing that perverse incentives led to a, a, I don't want to say false reporting because that's how they decided to report the deaths, but it had the result of four to six times as many deaths being counted as COVID, or rather from COVID. And there's a big difference of dying with COVID and from it. The body count from this, and I don't mean to, to, to be blunt, but the body count from the games people played are extraordinary. People went from let's not panic people to let's panic people. And the result was there are people who did not seek medical treatment for things like stroke signs, symptoms of stroke. There were people who would not go to the hospital, though they had symptoms of heart attacks. And then there's denied medical care, where bureaucrats made the decision that certain services were optional, non-essential, things like perhaps you have a symptom of a kidney stone and it turns out to be something else. Those deaths, will, will they, they will attempt, and they do this with data, to try to launder those deaths, but they're, they're finally being counted. Even, even some of the mainstream media is beginning to catch up on this. The most bizarre point of this was President Trump simply spoke about a non-controversial drug. Do you remember Rush talking about this? That the mockingbirds became obsessed with a non-controversial drug called hydroxychloroquine that has a long, long history. And there were some terrible, terribly designed studies about hydroxychloroquine after President Trump said this had promise. Terribly designed. That, that, that had no chance of succeeding because they were using hydroxychloroquine in ways that are counterindicated. Now we have the Journal of American Medical Association, as I recall, and other journals saying, yeah, hydroxychloroquine and these protocols can save lives. There was one analysis that the, the chances or odds of it not working are like one in a billion not working for people. Maybe even it's taller odds than that. But CNN, CNN assaulted that drug. And Tony Fauci had, I think, 2005 called it part therapeutic, part vaccine for upper respiratory viruses. This dynamic of Trump and Limbaugh, of Rush, Trump wouldn't have been president, in my judgment, without the Maha. Without President Trump as president, I don't think CNN would ever have shown their hand in that regard. I mean, to that level, that they were willing to attack a drug. And then, therefore, you had blue state governors banning that drug. There's a body count to that. There are people who died in all likelihood because they couldn't get that drug. And then there's this. The increase in teen suicides and adolescent suicides is one of the most, is is an incredibly dark moment in our country. And it continues. And lockdown deaths will continue for a long time. People who are denied medical care is one thing. People who are watching their businesses crumble is another. Donald Trump made the decision to try to bring this country back online sooner than the mockingbirds would allow. They put him in a box. Is it the economy or is it grandma's life? Now we know that we can have both. Look at Texas. Look at Florida. Look at the the, the degree to which we can't control viruses. Just as Rush taught us all these years, we can't control the Earth's weather. 
right, and the weather systems. And to think so is is fanciful, or at, or at least, you know, future tech may get there, but it's not there now. As we look back on this year, I look back at, at Tony Fauci, who is a political animal in my judgment, and, and brutally so. Deborah Burks was pro-lockdown, don't see your family, and then she travels to see her family during Thanksgiving, and Tony, mask off, mask on, Fauci, etc. One man, I think, stood at the center of that. And I thought one man really tried to bring this country back. And for that, I hope that history will reflect this accurately. That President Trump, to me, seemed obsessed with bringing us back. The Biden team seemed obsessed with writing this to a political end. And Russia told us all these years, to Democrats, all is political. All of life is political. And that extends into one-sixth of our economy. We come back, I want you to hear Rush talk about the American economy and how it's impacted by government takeovers of medicine as we continue to weave the wisdom of the Maha into today's news. It's Todd Herman, your guide host today on the EIB Network. Todd Herman in for Rush Limbaugh. Uh, Well, no, I'm the guide host. It's hard not to say that. It's just, it's Rush's show. It's difficult for me not to say that, but the guide host role is this. It is to take Rush's words and apply it to today and Rush's wisdom and his voice and apply it to today. You've had a taste of of government medicine. Let me ask you how you like the capricious lockdowns and the ever-changing rules and the uh, picking of winners and losers that this business stays open and this this one has to close. There's a doctor... And maybe we'll get into this in detail tomorrow, who has been a huge social media proponent of lockdowns, big friend of the lockdowns. He uh, moved his family to Austria so his kid could go to school because his uh, his kid was depressed. And, and this guy continues to press for lockdowns in the States. I want to take Rush's words about economic pies and move it into an, into a doctor's office. Because this is the anniversary of COVID being named a pandemic. We have seen with our own eyes, we have experienced with our own pain, how dictatorial people who want to be in public health can be. Not all of them, but far too many, particularly the bigwigs, particularly when they get aligned with big city mayors like Lori Lightfoot. And Billy de Blasio, how just utterly dictatorial they can be. And the growth of our American economy has been predicated upon freedom and new inventions that make space for, you know, like new medical products and approaches and for skill level increases that result in wage increases for workers. Listen here to Rush Limbaugh talk about how government intervention shrunk the private sector's economic pie and our room to build wealth. As the private sector continues to shrink, and this is the mathematics of it, the old saw about hard work and perseverance, preparation, education, uh, all of the the effort that you put in, the devotion that you have, uh, there has to be a pie for you to get your piece of. And and the pie has to be growing. It has to be expanding to a, to to account for population increase, people retiring and leaving the pie, younger people getting out of college or entering the workforce and wanting their piece of the pie. 
The thing about America is that pie has always get, gotten bigger. It has always expanded. There has always been an opportunity for anybody to get as big a piece of that pie as they reasonably expect or want. That's what's changing. The pie is shrinking. And as a result of the pie shrinking, there's less to be had because the government's usurping more and more of it. And in the midst of all that, the president says, yep, well, hard work. You work hard, pay off. That's always been the deal. That's been the promise of America. It's not a promise of America. That's a, it's a, it's a, it's a capitalistic truth. But more than that, it's a human truth. But it's, it, it, it's all this guy's doing is making it harder and harder and harder for everybody in the middle class to be upwardly mobile. That's what was always distinctive about America is the pie grew even for the middle class. That's what's stopped happening because of him. Now, take Russia's words about college graduates and apply it to Washington, D.C., which is one of the top three cities for college graduates, okay? D.C. Used to be that D.C. was a trade-off. You went to work for the federal government, you got a lower wage, but you had a guaranteed job. You had lesser in, you know, retirement benefits, now you have more. You have retirement benefits not available in the real world. You have salaries not available in the real world. D.C. produces nothing. It markets nothing. It takes. And yet people in D.C. are earning three to four times what the average person is in the country. And in eight out of the ten richest counties in the country are around the beltway, or at least were. So take Russia's example of the pie and how government shrinks it. And let's move it into um, a doctor's office. Because tomorrow we're going to hear Joe Biden read from his teleprompter that this is proven that we need to have Medicaid for all, Medicare for all. This is proven that only the government can save us. Because another rush lesson is to leftists, it doesn't it, it, it doesn't count unless government does it. So this is one of my favorite examples about government health care and how it has increased um, the costs. You know that favorite time if you're male, uh, and by that I mean adult human male. If you are in the doctor's office and, and it's coughing time, you, you know exactly what I mean. Cold fingers in the glove, cough. Just That's an awful moment. It's, it's uncomfortable for everybody. Women have their, uh, their analog to that. Just imagine that as your doctor is, you know, touching you in that way, just imagine just around you there's 16 bureaucrats. With clipboards. Now, just put yourself in that position. All right, turn your head the other way, and, and you look over there, and there's some smirking bureaucrat with a, with a clipboard. One has an iPad. One looks like they're not paying attention. They might be playing a video game, and, and maybe that gives you a sense of relief because they're not staring at you. There's 16 of them packed into a room with you. That is the – I have read this analysis of doctors now. People, healthcare providers are outnumbered 16 to 1 by people whose job it is to make sure you're following government rules, to make sure you're filling out the forms the right way. And there's an enormous amount of money to be taken to do that. See, it disrupts the value chain. When, when medicine was entrepreneurial, you'd have maybe, you know, you'd have a doctor a nurse, maybe a bookkeeper, maybe a couple doctors, maybe a couple nurses, because they were the people who were providing the service. Consequently, the rates were lower. 
Now, if there are, if if a doctor's office takes insurance, they have to have all these other paper pushers and box checkers who are free riders on this system. They don't help bake the cake. They they don't even they don't even carry the cake to the table. It's just when the cake arrives, they eat a bunch of it. And that's how the cake is shrinking. And it's it's so profound in healthcare. And and since tomorrow Biden will likely pitch from his teleprompter government medicine, they'll celebrate the great heroic Tony Fauci, who's been on all sides of every issue, but all of it bringing power to him. That's the one consistent measure with Fauci. They're going to push for government health care. Understand this, that those free riders are there now. Their cost structure is there now. And dig this. I go to a doctor who is concierge medicine. She doesn't take insurance. In fact, I got a couple doctors like that. One's a specialist. It's back to the old days. She and a couple of nurses The left wants to make that impossible. They want people who have practices like that, even though they don't take insurance, to have to use the Medicaid codes and insurance codes because they can't have that entrepreneurialism. Well, if more of Russia's words about the cake, the economics of this, and how plans like Biden's just continue to put weight on the economy. It's Todd Herman, your guide host on the EIB Network. I appreciate the opportunity to hang out with my fellow Rush Limbaugh fans. Rush was uh, a guy who understood marketing completely. And in this segment, we're going to hear him talk about features and benefits, but related to politics. If you're a marketing person and you've been saying, I need to help rescue my country, maybe I need to get into politics. Make sure you stay there so you can hear Rush talk about features and benefits and who sells which. It's a very key observation Rush made. Let's talk about, speaking of Rush observations, James in Spokane, Washington. James, good morning. You're on the Rush Limbaugh program. Todd Herman, your guide. Hi, James. How you doing, Todd? Doing fantastic, man. Love it. I'm in the KQ&T studios just up the street from where you're at in Spokane, I guess. I, I don't know where you're at, but you're in Spokane. What's in your mind? Well, Hilliard area. Hilliard area, but by the point. I've been listening to Rush off and on for 30 years. Back in 16, Iowa, actually in 14, I got into politics, ran for public office. Rush didn't give me, bequeath to me, loan me, or say, here's your analytics when looking at a situation in politics. He helped foster that. And when he would say, and I quote, do not doubt me. I never doubted the man, (laughs) ever. Not a single time. And of course, nowadays, with coronavirus, when I would say to people, this coronavirus is bogus. It's not as bad or it's not anywhere near what they say it is. And, of course, they would tell me, well, you're a denier. You don't believe in the coronavirus. I said, no, I do believe it. If people are getting sick, that is a fact. I don't think it's as bad as they're telling everybody it is. This is a political snow job, and if you don't see it, there's something wrong. You are too blinded by partisan politics. And Rush had that ability, from my point of view, to remove himself from the swamp, from the beltway, and go, hmm, I see where you're going with this. I see what circles are being drawn, and I see what's actually happening here. And it's bogus. 
And what what is you know so incredible to me about what Rush did is this is a man who golfed with presidents. This is a man that anyone in a political position or government position who is anywhere center right would want to seek the favor of or get the ear of. Um, there were celebrities who sought Rush out, you know, and that he was able to maintain that grounding and never get sucked into the vortex of charm or the vortex of access. I mean, you know, I think Rush talked about being in the White House or being in the bedrooms in the White House. And, and he somehow succeeded in still being able to criticize people even after, right, they brought him that access. That is such a difficult thing to do in politics, and I think it speaks to Rush's upbringing but it also was one of the reasons we trusted him we could hear him talk yeah. about george w bush is a good man and then get on the next segment and say and he's got this wrong and this is where he's wrong and this is where he's weak so like you like uh, it wasn't just the analytics it was the consistency that it didn't matter who was in office you know what i'm saying yeah oh absolutely yeah and that's when i think I, when I ran for, well when i ran for politics in 16 and in 14 uh 14 i ran against a republican 16 i ran against Democrats. And I could see each what each one of them were doing, and what they were doing in office is cronyism, pure and simple. It's, yeah. um, right. To take a and, step back and not be that partisan person, and not be that person who says, "Okay, I like you as a person. You're a good person, but how you play your politics is dirty. It's corrupt." It's cronyism, and you shouldn't be in office because what you're doing is lining your own pocket and not representing and doing what you're to the people. Exactly, exactly. And I've, I, I am maybe I'm probably a weaker person because I go a different route uh, in politics. Though I do a political show, I, I have uh, two friends I count in office. I don't dinner with people. I don't lunch with people. I need to keep an emotional distance. Because I need to be able to tear into people when that is what's required to tell the truth. I appreciate the phone call, James. Thanks for calling Rush's program. It was an honor to be your guide today. And uh, James ran for a political office. I want you to hear Rush talk about features and benefits. Okay, So he's going to take his expertise and knowledge of marketing. He makes a brilliant point about Republicans selling ideas versus Democrats giving people instant gratification with stuff. Well, I'm sorry, folks. There's no common ground. Because the Republicans do not want to raise taxes. They want to cut spending. Democrats don't want to cut spending. The Democrats don't want any changes in it. The Democrats want more spending to sustain the entitlements because that enables the gravy train to keep rolling. And as long as the programs that provide for Obama's low-information, high-benefits voters, as long as those things continue to provide their benefits, what do they care about the deficit? Seriously, the low-information voter, the Obama voter, what do they care about unfunded liabilities? They don't even know what that is. What do they care about credit ratings? You know, you run up to a typical Obama voter, hey, you know what, we're going to lose our AAA credit. What? What's what's credit? Well, a country has a credit rating? I don't understand. Explain it to me. And then you start explaining and you lose them because they don't care. What do they care about inflation? What's any of that to them? It's just gibberish. A great piece over the week, actually a couple of great pieces on many of the problems conservatives have. Democrats sell benefits, we sell features. Stop and think about this, and I'll give you some examples as the program unfolds. Democrats sell benefits. 
What does this mean to you? We talk about features. We talk about how low taxes are going to spur economic growth and create upward mobility, and, but there's no direct benefit to it. It's a theory that is true, but there's no immediate payoff to it. There's no immediate benefit. We've got all the great features, but they offer all the benefits. I saw another analogy that what the Republicans are in the process of doing is making the mistake that Coca-Cola made. Back in 1985, Roberto Goizueta, who was the CEO of Coke, said, you know what, we've had this same formula for all these years. We need to modernize. So they came out with new Coke. And an uproar took place. And within, what was it, three weeks, they had to reintroduce the old Coke as Coke Classic, and the new Coke was gone. Well, the theory... And I read, it was, I think it Red State, actually, might have been, I think it was Red State. Theory is the Republican Party has been doing new Coke, but gradually. We have been caving on the things that identify. We've been giving away our recipe. We changed our recipe on our own. And the latest example of changing the recipe is, you know what? We're all for amnesty now. We've got to go demographics. We've got to open the borders, and we've got to get those voters. Yeah, we're being rejected because of our policy on immigration and Hispanics. And so the Republican Party, nobody knows what it is anymore. Whatever it used to be, it's changing the formula. Whereas Koch did it overnight, this is just a theory, it's a, and it's, it's interesting. So Rush speaks of features and benefits, or sizzle and steak. So it is a difficult thing to sell freedom to people who think they're free. And young people and, uh, you know, less educated voters and and last-minute decision-makers in elections, they think they're free. And what they're doing is building a cage for themselves, a cage of debt, a cage of overly empowered bureaucrats. So it's just one example of how to go at this. One of the things that the, the Republicans could do is simply take a video game metaphor that, that, that these young people think they've got all sorts of extra lives saved up in this game because the Democrats are constantly telling them free college and college debt forgiveness uh, and free everything else. So one of the things I think the Republicans need to do is say, we're selling you the benefit of not crashing into a wall. What they're doing is they're draining these extra life reserves you have in the background in in terms of draining the budget and the debt and make it a visual for them. What Republicans are saying is we are building for you a sustainable Life where it is not going to crash into a wall because socialism always crashes into a wall or or take it to a specific benefit. You want free college? Okay. Here's what we can do. Any class in a university is auditable for free if it's a state university. Republican can say, yeah, you know what? You don't get to be on campus. You don't get the benefit of the teachers, but you can audit any class from afar through streaming. And then you can take a test at a discounted rate. And if you pass that test, you get an alternate degree. Or they could say, for any job, there has to be a a path for apprenticeship. We can sell that as a benefit today because most jobs can be learned through apprenticeships. This should be part and parcel of a Republican message. College is too expensive. You can earn money while you learn and install this around the country. In other words, freedom as. 
has the product, the feature, and the benefit. The, the feature is the freedom. The benefit is earn while you learn. But this takes creativity. <laughs> that is something that I found D.C. Republicans sort of lack. More of Rush Limbaugh's wisdom as we continue. Todd Herman, your guide today on the EIB Network. Tomorrow, Joe Biden will brag about this $1.9 trillion spending orgy and pretend it was all about COVID bailout. Listen to the timelessness of how well Rush Limbaugh knew Democrats. Compare these comments we're going to play to this $1.9 trillion, as, as the WAPO called it, uh, showering Americans with something. They said money. I would choose something else. You know, Rush told us about Obamacare and what it really was. It was a Democrat big power grab, a dependency maker. And it continues to be a massive tax on the ability of doctors to heal. Listen to the Maha boil this all down to a key fact. When we talk about getting your piece of the pie, this is the name for the economy, the private sector. Well, when the government comes in and absorbs one-sixth of it in the health care takeover called Obamacare, pie gets smaller. As government grows, where does it, how does it grow? What's, what's government do? It has to take. It has to take money from other people. Allocate it to itself and then spend it however it wishes, called redistribution. Doesn't produce anything. The private sector is getting smaller. The apple, the pie, is all getting smaller. And that's why there's less of it to be had for people. You want to talk about why the gap between rich and poor is expanding? Because the pie is getting smaller. And the pie can only get smaller as government grows. That's the argument against government expansion in its simplest form. The argument against government expansion is that it shrinks opportunity for everybody who doesn't work or have anything to do with government. And let, me, let me put a point uh, uh, on top of what the Maha told us there. When I worked in D.C. and we ran the Fire Nancy Pelosi campaign, one of my lieutenants came into my office and said, Herman, we just had a guy max out, like I forget what max out was, it's like $32,000 in a credit card to our Fire Nancy Pelosi campaign. So I immediately called the gentleman to thank him. First thing the gentleman said to me was, I'm a surgeon. This is going to destroy my business. How come I can only give 32000 bucks?" I said, well, it's a, it's a federal election limit. I said, your wife could give thirty-two, or I, I was 60 or whatever it was. And they doubled down. Want to know why? Because Obamacare made it illegal for that surgeon in Alaska to expand his, his office, to add square footage or to add new equipment. If he wanted to add anything, he had to join a hospital union. That's how savage they are in seeking control. And just keep that in mind tomorrow when Biden brags about all this stuff, right? And the Biden family, from the Biden family to yours, someone in your family, maybe you, keeps the old family videos, family films, slides stored away someplace. It's time to make those memories accessible again for everyone to see. You can do that with legacy bucks, as Rush told us. Say, folks, there's a uh, self-appointed family photographer in every family. My family, it was my dad. He loved taking pictures. He went out there. He had a Polaroid camera. He had a Pentax camera. And whenever the family would get together, he'd usher everybody together for uh, uh, posed photos. He's taking candid pictures out there. He would take slides. He had Super 8 film. He had a movie camera and projector. And he was really into it all. Every family has somebody like this in it. same person typically self-deputized to use the video cam. Now, years later, all those great family movies that have been taken 
probably stored away someplace. Nobody's seen them in who knows how long because nobody's got a Super 8 film projector anymore. Same thing with VHS or Betamax video. But there's an easy way to fix it. Legacy Box, outfit in Tennessee with capabilities and the equipment to digitally transfer all of your family memories, the videos, even still shots, in just a couple of weeks. It's the sole function of Legacy Box. They have 200 employees. They take your videos. They take your old family film, and they digitize them. And they send them back to you however you want them, on a DVD, on a thumb drive, or if you want to download them from a cloud file. Either way, once you get them, they are available for editing, for duplicating, for copying, for giving to other members of the family, for storing however you want to store them. But because they're digitized, they are forever. Process is easy. Get a whole legacy box, have them send you the box. It's protected so that none of what you put in it is damaged. You ship it off to them. They do the digitizing and send it back to you in two weeks. Go online to LegacyBox.com rush. You'll save 50% off the regular price if you use that website and address. LegacyBox.com rush. Rush is always on top of helping businesses grow. Love that aspect of this program. In his 30-year career, I think that Rush was never more right about something. It was related to Donald Trump and how he seized the Republican nomination with about three words, maybe five. And Rush told us that at the time, and people scoffed. We'll get into that as we continue. It's Todd Herman, your guide today on the EIB Network. I will build a wall. Donald Trump seized the Republican nomination when he said he was going to build a wall on the southern border. For years, Rush talked to us about the reality of unfettered illegal immigration. And it never came from a perspective of hatred, no matter how hard people try to twist that. You know, Rush was disturbed by what he saw people, young people, children put through coming to this country. Right. And only for the promise of getting in here illegally and the savagery of that trip and this train that one of the EAB team members, Ali, was you know, reminding me about this, this horrible train people rode on top of to get here. And that if you don't have orderly legal immigration, you end up with this and that bipartisanship in D.C. Rush also talked to us about that. That so often when it was bipartisan in D.C., it was because they were against us. And that's never been more true than with illegal immigration. There were just too many stakeholders benefiting. The big unions benefited. The big, big companies benefited. Democrat blue state governors know that every illegal immigrant is cash money because they're counted in census counts. And they're cash money because so many of them need assistance that it gets begets walking around money for the Billy de Blasios of this world. And these people are taken advantage of. Next hour, we're going to hear Russia's wisdom on that because the crisis on the border is profound, so profound that Joe Biden's even pretending to have listened to his briefings. It's Todd Herman, your guide today on the EIB Network. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, 
diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation, and three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Grand Canyon University, a private Christian university in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, believes that we're endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. GCU believes in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. GCU equips you to serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. Change the world for good by putting others before yourself to glorify God. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's online, on-campus, and hybrid learning environments are designed to help you achieve your unique academic, personal, and professional goals. With over 330 academic programs as of September 2023, GCU meets you where you are and provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Let it flourish. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University, private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping America's heroes and their families since 9-11. These are our first responders and service members who serve our communities and our country, or those who die in the line of duty or are severely injured, and our veterans who fought for our nation's freedoms only to return home, fall on tough times, and become homeless. Heroes like Buffalo firefighter Jason Arno and his family. Arno was killed while protecting his community, battling a warehouse fire. He left behind his wife and a young daughter. In their darkest hour, Tunnel to Towers provided Arno's wife and daughter with a mortgage-free home. The foundation lifted a financial burden, enabling them to stay in the home where they made memories with their hero. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. Support the families of America's greatest heroes, the families of fallen first responders like Jason Arno, plus Gold Star families with young kids, severely injured service members, and homeless veterans. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Thank you so much for being with me today on the only EIB network. It's an honor to be your guide. It's 800-282-2882. I grab myself in the security that these are the days that God has made for us. These are the times in which he's decided we will live and the challenges we face are immense. And we're not the first generation to face them. History shows that. Secular and religious history shows that. The crisis at the border is just profound and inhumane. And it is not the fault of the United States. Oh, there are people who like the crisis at the border. And benefit from the crisis at the border. Plenty of people. I don't think that Rush Limbaugh was ever more right 
than when he analyzed Donald Trump coming down the escalator and announcing he would build a wall. Because Donald Trump stepped on the third rail of American politics. Because there's so many groups that have benefited from illegal immigration. And lots of them have their offices all around the White House, their lobbying offices. And foreign countries have benefited from this. One of the great hat tricks of the Democrats was cornering this as a issue of compassion. Right now, the estimates are there are 3,250 children who are being detained at the border. I've read estimates that some 20% of these kids are trafficked. Right? They're coming here to be with people, not their parents, and brought here by people, not their parents. And that stands to reason to me because in uh, the state of Washington, from whence I hail, sex trafficking has gone up 2,000% during Jay Inslee's lockdown. 2,000%. And that savage form of slavery needs, well, what they would think of as new product. And the crisis at the border is something else. As the DHS is seeking volunteers to help with this, this this is legitimately a siege. I read about 10,000 detainees in a single day. I think it was the Texas border. We're draining countries of their people. They have determined that the only way to, to freedom or health or safety is in this country, which leaves behind... Either people who can't leave or are so savage that they're destroying these countries. And I am very fond of pointing out that the United States is 5% of the world's population. We have taken in 20% of her peoples. Not everybody can fit on the great lifeboat called America. Nor should they. It's so fascinating to me that the Democrats, who so value, they say, multiculturalism, don't value it enough to call out some cultures for some mistakes they've made in allowing their countries to degrade to the point where people must flee and at the same time are coming to a country, ours, to place us under enormous financial burden. And please don't tell me that this is just a direct benefit that everybody who comes in works. That's not what the Democrats are selling. Right. One of their great inventions, and it was a Ted Kennedy invention, was changing our ability to select immigrants to our country based upon what we need in our country and flip that around and we must take everybody. And it creates an imbalance in the globe. And it creates the belief that, well, at least we can go to America. That's, that's, that's not compassionate. Letting other countries flop and fail is not compassionate. And this isn't new. I doubt Biden will address this tomorrow night because he's going to be celebrating, pardon me, memorializing COVID and the pandemic. But look, Rush has talked about this for years. What we see unfolding on the border, folks, is not new. If you remember during the Obama years, the issue of unaccompanied minors was rampant. As Rush himself said, right here. You remember, I guess it'd be three or four years ago now. In the early spring, late winter, early spring, massive numbers of, of minor children unaccompanied were arriving at the southern border, not from Mexico. This is very key to this. They were not coming from Mexico. They were coming from Central America. They were coming from El Salvador. 
and they were coming from Guatemala. There is a loophole in American immigration law that says if people from Central America come to the United States from a non-contiguous nation, we have to keep them. That's why they were coming from Nicaragua and El Salvador and Guatemala, because of that loophole. If they are seeking asylum, once they get to Mexico, they have it. The first nation they get to after fleeing their war-torn native land is where they apply for asylum. They have it in Mexico. The fact that they're waiting and traveling through Mexico to try to get asylum here is one of the many roots of this problem. Now, you have that as a foundational understanding. In other words, they're gaming the system. They know exactly what our laws are, and they are trying to circumvent them. And during the Obama administration, they were allowed to. And this is the point. It's been going on. And I have all these people. It doesn't matter, Rush. You should not use that as a defense of what's happening now. I'm not using it as a defense. I'm trying to tell everybody that this isn't what it's being made to look like. This is not something where people do care about kids and others don't. It's not about that. This is a political issue. And it has roots in the Democrat Party playbook. As I previously demonstrated, the Democrats have an operating play in their book that says Republicans hate X, fill in the blank. Republicans hate women. Republicans hate blacks. Republicans hate kids. Republicans starve kids. Democrats, of course, love and protect everybody. That's what's playing out here. This is a political battle, and the football in this battle is the kids. Democrats don't care any more about them today than they did during the Obama administration. January 28, 2016, Washington Post. This is over two years ago. Obama administration placed children with human traffickers, report says. This story is literally devastating. Here's the opening graph. The Obama administration, this is the Washington Post, folks, and this is during the campaign. This is before Trump's been elected. Trump has nothing to do with any of this, okay? The Obama administration failed to protect thousands of Central American children who have flooded across the border since 2011, leaving them vulnerable to traffickers and to abuses at the hands of government-approved caretakers, a Senate investigation has found. Senator Rob Portman initiated a six-month investigation after several Guatemalan teenagers were found in a dilapidated trailer park near Marion, Ohio, where they were being held captive by traffickers and forced to work at a local egg farm. The boys were among more than 125,000 unaccompanied minors who have surged into the U.S. since 2011, fleeing violence and unrest in Guatemala, the Honduras, and El Salvador. It is intolerable, Portman said, that human trafficking, modern-day slavery, could occur in our own backyard. Where were the howls of concern? I ask you, ladies and gentlemen. 
Then it investigated it, found the Obama administration tried to hide it and pretend it wasn't happening, didn't want anybody to find out. The media certainly didn't care to find out and report it because they were not going to expose Obama to anything. Where was the compassion for the children? Where were all the catcalls that Obama and the country were separating immigrant families? Where was all of the concern that we see and hear about today? It wasn't anywhere. It was kept below the radar. It wasn't an issue. This is faux concern, F-A-U-X. This is pretend concern about illegal immigrant kids being separated from their parents. I'm telling you, folks, it is a manufactured crisis, and it is a political battle. One, I don't want the Democrats to win. This is not about kids. It's not that they are just the latest fill-in-the-blank objective. And the Republicans better get in the game on this and not leave Trump isolated because Trump knows what's going on. Trump knows what the effort really is here. Migrant camps create them. Refugee camps create them. Eventually bring in the families and let them all have amnesty. You heard it in Russia's voice as well. How disturbed he was from the, the human trafficking aspect of this. Let's remind ourselves, as Biden will read from a teleprompter tomorrow night, no questions from the press. Let's remind ourselves that Team Biden shut down the Department of Homeland Security effort that was specifically designed to find, capture, and remove illegal immigrants, many of them gang members involved in human trafficking. That market is developed because the Democrats have left the border porous for a whole host of reasons. I'll give you a glimpse into how upside down this all is in an anarchy state. We come back and more of Russia's wisdom. It's Todd Herman, your guide today on the EIB Network. Todd Herman, your guide today on the EIB Network as we continue to bring forth the wisdom of the Maha, America's Anchorman. In fact, speaking of that, Rush may have been um, kind of tweaking the uh, you know the drive-bys when he decided to, to accept the honor of being America's Anchorman, and it came true. Like so many of the other things that Rush said, it came true. I want to get to that next hour because that just occurred to me. Rush had a tour de force monologue about this Aunt Jemima thing. And next hour, we're going to talk about race relations and, and Rush's work in that regard. What, what he talked about, the woman who played Aunt Jemima and her history, um, and he did that with such great style. He was proving that he was America's anchorman. And that's all back in the news because of cancel culture. Let me gather you around. Sit on up here to Grandpa Herman. I want to talk about immigration. We just heard from from Rush about this manufactured crisis. It is. And blue state governors and blue state mayors have figured out how to cash in on this. And it is savage. It's savage to the people that they're playing politics with. And it's savage to the communities. Let me take you through an experience that my friend Kevin the cop told me about. And let me give you some numbers. So I'll start with the numbers. It's quite possible that Washington state has two to three extra uh, congressional representatives, maybe two. 
because of illegal immigration, because that's counted in the census. Definitely Washington State gets extra monies that they can burn on grifter projects because of illegal immigration. So much so that the so-called King County prosecutor, that is the guy, he's in charge of the county in which Seattle sits. Um, he is the most impotent politician who has ever lived. His name is his nickname is Heroin Dan Satterberg. He has decreed. He said this on public radio. He bragged about it. He will not charge an illegal immigrant with a DUI because it's unfair, because they might be deported. Here's what Kevin the cop told me: When they pull people over, if it's going to lead to an arrest, it is not uncommon. For the person to say, I'm an illegal, to announce it, I'm here illegally. It's not uncommon for them to mock the cops. You can't do anything. What, am I going to be in jail a couple hours? You can't even get a felony against me. And what am I going to do? A year, they'll never put me in prison. Because this is catch and release. They know. Here's who else knows. The cartels. The Seattle media. Look, I don't talk about Seattle because I'm from there. It's an example. It's the leftist lab. It's a separate country. It is the first. Seattle's the first area to fully secede from the union under the Democrats. Didn't they do that once before on the backs of people? Seem to recall something about that. In Seattle, when they brag about, you can't touch me, they're right. Because they've been made VIPs. And the cartels know. And there's a great special from Drugs, Inc. that talks about the cartels coming to Western Washington. The Western Washington media finally is, has been forced to admit the fact that there are cartel wars here. So when they ship people in, they know that in, in, in anarchy states, they can't get popped. They're arrested. And if they are arrested, they're out. This has literally resulted in the deaths of officers multiple times. It resulted in one particularly heinous case where an illegal immigrant raped a woman, got his little time in jail because they will not charge them with felonies because then they could go to prison, then they can be detained. They make sure they're out of jail before the magic window when ICE will come to get them. They don't communicate with ICE. That rapist got out of jail and went and beat the woman he raped. And then he fled to Mexico. When he was let out, the the judge gave him a tongue lashing. "Don't Don't you stay here in San Francisco. My uh, friend Katie Davis Court, Pulse Millennial, reports in San Francisco, the city's paying $16.1 million to home, put homeless shelter or homeless people in tents. That's $61,000 per year per tent. I'm not saying those are all illegal immigrants. I'm saying it's the same theory. It's the walking around money theory. And that's the way this stuff works. So what Rush has described is happening across the country, particularly in these areas. Rush was prescient on many things. One of the things he was prescient on was cell phones. They can be expensive, particularly if you're not watching how much data you're using. 
Rush discovered the one cell phone company that's paid attention to keeping your monthly cell phone charges to a dollar a day. It's called Pure Talk. You shop for the best price you can find on insurance, on home mortgages, on vacation travel, maybe even cheeseburgers. I don't know. So why not do the same thing with cellular phone service? Your cell phone number is your own. And who you choose for cellular service is all up to you. One company makes such a compelling offer, it's worth thinking about. It's Pure Talk. They offer you unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data for just $30 a month. And guess what? If you go over on the data, they don't charge you for it. Pure Talk. Compare that monthly price, $30 a month, to your current cell phone bill, and you'll see why it makes sense to change. Now, I don't know what your cell phone bill is, but I would wager you that it's 60 bucks or more. Maybe 120, maybe 75 or more. This outfit, Pure Talk, is offering you unlimited talk, unlimited text, and six gigs of data for $30 a month. Now, Pure Talk knows they're in the same business with the likes of AT&T and Verizon and T-Mobile. In fact, get this. They use the same cell towers of one of the big companies that covers 99% of the country. They offer superior service. 100% of the Pure Talk customer support team is right here in America. So you make one phone call to them today, you can start to save money by switching to Pure Talk. All you do is get your cell phone and dial pound 250. Next, you say Pure Talk. It's that simple. You'll save 50% off your first month. That's pound 250, and then say Pure Talk. One of the Pure Talk customer service people will be right there on the phone to help you. And by the way, it's legit. $30 a month, unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data. I can remember, you know, you talk at the power of the advertising in this network and the power of building businesses. I remember this great story of an author who, it, I was trying to remember who told me this on Team EIB. I think it was Bo, that that Rush had read this book and had loved this book so much that he intended to talk about this book. And they sent a note to the publisher saying, hey, heads up. <laughs> heads up, Rush is going to talk about your book. And the publisher's like, well, that's really cool, thanks. And, and Bo's like, no, no, listen, please, we're begging you. Please, please get your uh, website on a content distribution network. Please do something. Bring more servers online. <laughs> we're going to crash it. And of course, you know, a little bit of ego. Oh, yeah. All right, T guys. <laughs> I'm remembering this story now, just live time. All right, T guys, it's going to be fine. And as James was, or as it, as it was James, it was Bo, was telling me the story, he got this glimmer in his eye. <laughs> it did crash it. Ah, the power of what you built with the Maha. It's Todd Herman, your guide today on the EIB Network. I was just thinking about Rush and uh, how he warned us about how everything, if, if God forbid, Biden had got into the White House and, of course, he's there in this militarized installation, how so many things around the COVID would change. And Rush was right about that. We'll talk about that next hour. The great, unbelievably brilliant monologue about Aunt Jemima, which is it's, it's important to talk about now because race relations are going to be front and center again. Uh, the trial around the officers accused of killing George Floyd uh, is going to be very much in the news. Rush's words are needed here. Let's go to the phones. That's an old way of talk radio. Go to the phones. Let's talk now to Joe in Brandenburg, Kentucky. Joe, you're on the Rush Limbaugh program. It's Todd Herman, your guide host today. Hi, Joe. Hey, how are you doing, sir? 
Doing fantastic. I'm glad you called. What's on your mind, my friend? Well, uh, firstly, I'd like to give my condolences to Catherine and everybody at the EIB and just America in general. We'll miss him. Yeah. Um, Thank you. And I was uh, I was thinking, you know, when the first time I was introduced to Rush, and um, it was actually before I even knew anything about politics. Uh, when I got into elementary school, my uh, my school bus driver in the afternoon on the way home had Rush on every day. Wow. So yeah, and, and I was actually born in '88. I believe that's the year he went uh, national. All that, but um, yeah, I, yes. I do. I credit my bus driver with that. That's awesome. Actually, yes, sir. I was actually—I was—I'm not no uh, a math major or anything, but I was doing some some numbers earlier. Now, with this 1.9 trillion dollars, mm-hmm. let's just take one trillion. One trillion is one thousand billion. Okay, one billion is a thousand million. All right, yep. there was 328 million in the population last year. 1.9 trillion dollars is enough money. To give a million dollars to every person in America, that would be ending poverty, sir. That would be showering America with money. I've learned a lesson to never do mental math when I'm when I'm I'm hosting radio shows. So I'm going to trust you with your numbers, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm not saying you're not trustworthy. Uh, but I just I, look. I can do mental math, but when I'm hosting a radio show and looking at clocks and and fitting in clips, etc., I don't do that. But it, you make a, a great point, and and the point's been made before that that. You, it, it, you, if we were to really just boil this down to what this bill is, I, I, I'm not afraid to call it a draining of the treasury, personally, because what you just described, where is it going? 1.5 billion to Amtrak? How much is it? How, what's when you when you go to a, a burger joint in Kentucky? What do you pay for a hamburger? A good hamburger? Uh, maybe eight to ten dollars for a good one. Okay. On Amtrak, they sell $9 microwavable frozen hamburgers like you'd get at a 7-Eleven. And, 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 Joe, they lose money on those. They lose money. Bad business model, sir. <laughs> no, it's a brilliant business model, my friend. It's the business model of no business. It's the business model if we want more money, we take more money. And it's breathtaking to think about the size and scope of this. And, and then... What also concerns me is the media will report the name of this as if it's – they will say the Biden administration's COVID bailout or COVID relief, and, and none of it's for that. So I agree with you. Think I'm going to check your mental math later. I'm sure you're right, and if uh, if so, it's a great illustration, and the point is solid. Thanks for telling us about how you learned about Rush, too, Joe. I appreciate you very much. Now, see, with that legacy – the bus driver turning Joe, that's, that is a cool way to learn about Rush. Here's another way, is to take Rush's wisdom from then and to bring it forward now. As we talk about COVID, as we talk about um, it, how it's just been politicized, and all of a sudden the World Health Organization says, oh, yeah, all those PCR tests, those are junk. Uh, don't, don't rely on those for cases. And blue state governors started demanding the schools open. And, All of this is exactly as Rush described it to us. While Americans were struggling to pay their mortgages while locked out of work, Joe Biden treated COVID like a political issue. And Rush rightly said Joe Biden doesn't know what it is to be a man. I thought this was profound last night. 
This is Joe Biden doing a segment on the COVID-19 pandemic. He says that we're, uh, you know, we're learning to live with it. People are learning to die with it. You folks home will have an empty chair at the kitchen table this morning. That man or wife going to bed tonight and reaching over to try to touch their out of habit where their wife or husband was is gone. Learning to live with it. Come on. We're dying with it. Come on. We're dying with it. The problem I have with this is that Biden is treating this like any other political issue. And it's a mistake to do that. Nobody, nobody wants anybody to die from COVID. And nobody's doing things to facilitate death. Biden is attempting to say that Trump doesn't care. He doesn't any longer. Trump doesn't think we can stop it. Trump doesn't care. So people are dying. And that's why Trump says we've got to learn to live with it. Biden doesn't understand. If I may be so bold, Biden doesn't know what it is to be a man. There's a reality out there. There's a virus. There's one of countless viruses out there. Most viruses we do not have a vaccine for. Most viruses we do not have a cure for, by definition. We still don't have a way to deal with AIDS. We don't have a vaccine for AIDS. We certainly don't have a cure for it. We don't have a cure for the flu. We don't have a cure for the common cold. What do we do? We live with it. We adapt. We do whatever we have to do. We can't do anything else. We can't, as Trump said, hide in the basement. Leaders sure as hell can't. Trump can't find a room in the residence and just hole up in there until this thing goes away. That's not how men deal with it. And real women, I'm not trying to be gender-oriented here. I'm trying to be mature-oriented. But what does Biden want? If Biden wants to make it look like, oh, Trump's given up, thrown up his hands in frustration. Trump can't do anything about it. And so you're just you're going to die. No, that's not at all. Trump is working as hard as anybody with others who are working as hard as anybody to do what can be done to stop a virus. But the dirty little secret is nobody's got the answer. We're working hard. All kinds of people are sacrificing time and money and effort to come up with a vaccine, a therapeutic. And we're making great strides. We're making great headway. Look at how quickly Trump was able to recover. It means it can be done. Biden wants to take that. Ah, he doesn't care. I don't even know if Biden even knows what Trump means when he says we've got to live with it. I really don't. I don't know if a liberal man knows what we have to learn to live with it means. If they think, like Biden does, that we have to give up and we don't care who dies, they haven't the slightest idea about maturity, about limitations. There's nothing, there's not a single thing Joe Biden could do differently that would have made a hell of a difference, any kind of a difference, in what we're doing with COVID-19 and how we are advancing it. And how we are dealing with solutions to it. There's not a damn thing Joe Biden knows or anybody else on the Democrat side. There's nothing any of them could do differently. So they have to resort to Trump doesn't care. Trump doesn't care if you die. Well, I do that vacant chair next to you at the breakfast table. The mature way to react to this is we are learning to live with it. That's why we have to reopen We cannot continue to keep 
massive American cities responsible for so much of our economy shut down. We cannot run away from this. We cannot keep the schools shut down. None of this is dealing with it. Further shutdowns, further lockdowns don't advance anything. They just delay the inevitable. And what's the inevitable? Dealing with it. What's the inevitable? Living with it. We live with the flu. We live with cancer. We live with all kinds of terminal diseases. We do not run and cower in the corners. Why do we want to run and cower in the corner from COVID-19? Because it's a political issue where people like Joe Biden and the media think they can destroy Donald Trump over it. Think of all the things in our daily lives that harm us. How many of them do we fail to live our lives because how many of us never leave home? How many of us never go do this or that because of potential deadly dangers outside? But yet, COVID-19, why we need to we need to hunker down. We need to we need to lock down. We we need to we need to shut down. We need to we need to we need to come to grips with dying with it. And I hate this pessimism. I hate this negativism these people want to force on us. I hate this can't-do-it-ism that they are trying to permeate our culture with. They are not who we are as Americans. The left's way of dealing with this stuff is not the American way of dealing with it. Biden running around talking, we're learning to die with the virus. No, we're learning to live with it. We're learning what we have to do to live with it. We're learning what the options are if we want to actually live instead of hunkering down in a basement. One of the most brilliant remarks about Biden's approach to this that anyone's ever going to hear and to state right out front, Joe Biden may not know how to be a man is brilliant. I know that there's breathless anticipation in the Limbaugh audience. We'll come back with the corrected mathematics. On the $1.9 trillion alleged COVID bailout. That's coming up. It's Todd Herman, your guide on the EIB Network. It's Todd Herman, your guide today on the EIB Network. We did correct the math. I've learned the lesson in talk radio. I don't do mental math while doing a radio show because there's more math involved in hosting than you'd think. Time, clocks, etc., which can fit into a segment. So the gentleman from Kentucky gave us some math. Let me correct it. For the $1.9 trillion bailout, uh, that would be about $5,937 per person if you were just to hand it to them. Of course, it's 1400 bucks and only going to some. I did a little bit of extra math. I was just thinking about, like, let's take a subset. So let's remove the kids. Maybe people who are outside of an income tax range. And let's just, let's just focus on 50 million Americans. You could give 50 million Americans $38,000. Um, or, well, I mean, I guess if I was going to re- – maybe I should just uh, – Subtract murderers since the Democrats decided they wanted 1400 bucks to go to the Boston Bomber and Dylan Roof. Right? Maybe just if we just subtracted the people who shouldn't have gotten anything. Also be interesting to calculate what percentage of this money is borrowed. I guess it would be about four four cents. Four four cents out of a dime, forty cents on the dollar, I think we're borrowing now. Remember back when Obama's Treasury guy, Timmy Geithner, pretended that for six months the United States didn't borrow any money? I'm sure Biden will address that tomorrow. Coming up, Rush will take us through. I'm, I'm not kidding. 
want to ask you to get your kids to hear this segment where Rush talks about the true story of a woman named Nancy Green, uh, the first Aunt Jemima. It's remarkable what's been done to her family in a, in a, in a nasty way, in my judgment, from, from PepsiCo. Let's talk to George in Lynchburg, Virginia. George, you're on the Rush Limbaugh program. You have experience with this, this terribly dangerous, this deadly drug, this hydroxychloroquine. Did you make it through? Are you okay? Did you survive the hydroxychloroquine? Well, first, hello, Todd. You know, we love you in Lynchburg, and we miss Rush so much, but it helps when you play clips from his past shows. It's timeless wisdom, sort of like the Bible. It it just doesn't grow old. Uh, You were talking about immigration. You know, when I'm in third-world countries, and I've been in Nepal, Malaysia, Kenya, and Uganda in the last four years, and I'm asked by nearly everyone, how can I get into America? But, you know, America can't absorb the world's poor. It's it's better if you want to help. That we just help people live successfully yeah. where they yeah. are. Um, you know, regarding uh, hydroxychloroquine, Trump was right about hydroxychloroquine, and I think the problem with it is it's so cheap. And uh, that big pharma must own Biden and must own <laughs> Fauci as well. Uh, we've been using it. Uh, well, I'll go back. My group went into Uganda after Idi Amin was overthrown in 1979. And the rivers were so full of bodies, mainly Christian mm. bodies, that the crocodiles weren't even bothering them. And we've been working to repair the damage of tyranny since 1985. And we, we've been taking hydroxychloroquine since 1985. Wait, so let me just stop for a second. A, let me thank you for that that beautiful mission, uh, that dangerous mission. But B, George, are you sure you can continue with the call? Because hydroxychloroquine is, is CNN has told us it's deadly. Are you, are you, are you sure you're okay? <laughs> it's harmless. <laughs> and it's, it's warded off, and it's cheap. It's warded off everything that I've ever come in contact with since 1985. And, uh, and, I get my supply from Canada, because, and I have to say when I order it that I'm not taking it for COVID. <laughs> if I even say I'm taking it for COVID, they're not going to send it to me. <laughs> yeah, you just you, – oh, no, it's uh, it's uh, malaria. It's an anti-malaria drug because I'm going back down there. Or, uh, and do you ever um, – now – I know that President Trump, uh, he really was correct about hydroxychloroquine. Now, did you ever drink that pool or the uh, the aquarium cleaner? Because that was a that's a different hydroxy. Did you ever try that? I don't think anybody did. <laughs> no, there's a woman. No, no, there was a woman who turned out to have been a Democrat. Uh, a kind of agitator type who had gone to the press and said, "My boyfriend." He heard Trump say hydroxychloroquine, and, and he took some, and it turned out to be aquarium cleaner. I just I look at the politicizing of this and what CNN was willing to do to say, breaking news on CNN, Donald Trump has suggested that people inject bleach into their lungs using a syringe. It's just it's so politicized. George, I appreciate the phone call. Thank you for recognizing the work that the team EIB has done to make sure Russia's wisdom is still with us. And God bless you for that beautiful mission that you and your family went on. Glad you're safe. We'll come back on the EIB Network. Todd Herman, your guide today. Of all the great nicknames Rush accepted, I think he, he named himself Mayor of Realville. Uh, the Maha, all-knowing, all-seeing, all-caring Maha Rushi. Uh, America's truth detector and America's anchorman. We're going to give you an example tied to current day events 
uh, with race relations being back uh, up now in the spotlight, given the the, the jury selection uh, in the trial, the officers are accused of killing George Floyd and PepsiCo disappearing. Aunt Jemima and other companies disappearing, you know, what was it, uh, the Land of Lakes disappearing the native uh, woman that they had in the canoe. All the disappearing of these people uh, from this product, because, of course, that's racism. Uh, Rush just delivered a master class on why maybe he was was trolling the drive-bys by accepting the nickname America's Anchorman. And so many things that he... Uh, lampooned came true, and when he when he during the, the the zeal that the drive-bys had, they were so happy that that, <laughs> that Aunt Jemima was being erased because that will solve racism. Rush came with the complete story, and the way he tells this just reminds us of how much we'll miss him as race relations are back in the news. He honored this woman. Please have your kids kids hear this. That's coming up. It's Todd Herman, your guide today on the EIB Network. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation, and three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Grand Canyon University, a private Christian university in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, believes that we're endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. GCU believes in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. GCU equips you to serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. Change the world for good by putting others before yourself to glorify God. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's online, on-campus, and hybrid learning environments are designed to help you achieve your unique academic, personal, and professional goals. With over 330 academic programs as of September 2023, GCU meets you where you are and provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Let it flourish. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Since 9-11, the Tunnel to the Towers Foundation has been committed to supporting our nation's first responders and veterans, heroes who put their lives on the line for our communities and our country, heroes like U.S. Army Major Jonathan Turnbull. 
He sustained devastating injuries at the hands of an ISIS suicide bomber, the complete loss of his left eye, a puncture to his right eye, and he needed more than 20 surgeries and countless hours of rehabilitation. Tunnel to Towers paid off his mortgage and gave Major Turnbull a specially adapted smart home designed for his needs. He moves around his home more easily now. His home also gives him hope. With help from people like you, the foundation supports families like the Turnbulls. Join Tunnel to Towers in supporting America's heroes, our nation's severely injured veterans and first responders, homeless veterans, Gold Star families, and the families of fallen first responders. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. 95 cents of every dollar goes directly to their programs. It's just such an honor to be with you on this program, on this network, and the work that this team has done to take Russia's indelible wisdom and allow me to help wind it into and compare it to today's events. As this is the day the Lord has made. These are the times in which God has decided we will live. I will tell you that I think God was the first, first actual anti-racist. Not, not in the social justice sense. He made all of us. That's, that's my view. And to the secular portion of this, racism is being taught in the schools. It's being taught that if you're white, you're racist. You can become an ally, but you can't be not racist because it's in your DNA. The, we have Disney pulling Dumbo, the aristocrats, and Peter Pan uh, off the shelves because they're racist. And the attack on Dr. Seuss, despite him writing a book that actually decried racism. History is is not racist. It can't be. It's history. It's what was. It's educational unless it's taken from us. It can be our guide on things not to do unless it's stolen from us. Aunt Jemima was a real person. And Rush Limbaugh may have been, he may have been trolling the drive-bys when he accepted the nickname America's Anchorman. But man, it came true. And we're going to continue this discussion, this ongoing this week, about race and cancel culture of racist stereotypes. I want to relive with you a reason why Rush was, in fact, America's anchorman, is he tells us the incredible story of a woman named Nancy Green, whom we all knew as the now-canceled Aunt Jemima. Yeah, that's right, folks. I don't know if you've heard or not, but uh, Quaker Oats has decided they're going to get rid of Aunt Jemima, pancake mix, and the, and the syrup. And they're going to do it before anybody pressured them to do it. I'm not sure. Somebody may have pressured them to do it. The Aunt Jemima person was a real person. But here's the story. Aunt Jemima brand, to change name, remove image that Quaker says is based on a racial stereotype. Now, this brand, Aunt Jemima pancake and uh, mix and uh, syrup, 130-year-old brand. And it features a black woman named Aunt Jemima who was uh, originally dressed as a menstrual character and then as a domestic cook and maid. But I don't think people know who Aunt Jemima was. There was an actual real person, and I have it here somewhere. But wait till you hear her story. And wait till you hear how Quaker Oats made her wealthy and rich. And she's a former slave. Aunt Jemima was a former slave. A real one, not a descendant. And what has happened is, is that Quaker Oats has announced today that they're going to broom the brand. Aunt Jemima brand is going to get a new name and they're going to remove the image of Aunt Jemima because Quaker Oats says it's all based on a racial stereotype. 
So I don't know if Black Lives Matter demanded this or if Quaker Oats is getting out ahead of the curve. I wouldn't be surprised if it's the latter. How many of you are getting to the point where you're just throwing your hands up? Look, let's get rid of anything that upsets anybody. And then can we shut up? How many of you are getting to that point? Get rid of anything that upsets you. Except you and I won't be able to do that. But I mean, the people that are permitted to have grievances. There are only a certain number of people allowed to have grievances against America. You understand that. We white supremacists are not allowed to have grievances because we are the grievance. White supremacists. What an absolute crock. White privilege. I'll tell you, white privilege is liberal elites. They're the ones that have white privilege. Well, you want to know what white privilege is, just think of Hollywood, Silicon Valley, New York, Washington, liberal elites, because that's white privilege. That's how it's utilized. That's how it is manipulated. And this this is a white supremacy. But anyway, I, I digress. While we have to get rid of Aunt Jemima, black Americans have, I think, had robust success in a number of ways. You know something else Shelby Steele says? In case you haven't noticed, I dig Shelby Steele. I have quoted from Wall Street Journal columns of his over the course of this program for years. And he's raised a very... See, he can say this. I couldn't say this. He can say it. And by the way, he is a target of the Black Lives Matter. And, you know, Shelby Steele comes out of the Malcolm X generation. Malcolm X, big guy to Shelby Steele. That's how he traces his racial lineage. But he makes the point that he doesn't understand why the American left doesn't find the truly achieved and highly successful African Americans and put them on pedestals as role models for younger blacks to follow. Instead, bad actors, foul-languaged rappers, people who've been accused of sexual abuse— he says the wrong message is sent. He doesn't understand why people like himself or Clarence Thomas or Thomas Sowell, and then the list is long. Not only are they not held up as examples and role models, they are ridiculed. They are ruined. They're called sellouts. And he's exactly right that it's such a disservice to young people who don't think they have a chance for success. The reason that they are accused of being sellouts, by the way, how did they try to destroy Clarence Thomas before They dredged up and found Anita Hill somewhere. They tried to say that Clarence Thomas, the only reason, the only reason he succeeded is because white people accepted him. And he knew that he had to make that happen. So he groveled. And Clarence Thomas sucked up and he sold out his blackness to John Danforth. And he became a step and fetch it. So no black success outside of affirmative action was permitted. Thomas didn't use it. That was held against him was also held against him that if you're a young black and you somehow have white champions, in this case, John Danforth, then you're sellout. And that's how people like that are destroyed. And I'm telling you, things could be so much better for so many young African-Americans if the role models would just change. But that's not for us to decide, folks. So we have here a woman named Rache Richardson. Associate Professor of African-American Literature at Cornell's Africana Studies and Research Center, who got her doctorate 
and taught at two universities. She told the Today Show today that the Aunt Jemima image is an image that harkens back to the antebellum plantation. Aunt Jemima is that kind of stereotype is premised on this idea of black inferiority and otherness and that it is urgent to expunge our public spaces of a lot of these symbols that for some people are triggering and represent terror and abuse. Aunt Jemima triggers terror and abuse. It's not the pancake mix, Mr. Snurdly. It is the image. So I found out a little bit about the actual person who Quaker Oats used way back when they created this brand. Her name's Nancy Green. The original Aunt Jemima was Nancy Green. She's a former slave. This is 130 years ago now. I mean, that's how old the brand is. Former slave. She was a cook. She was an activist. She was a renowned storyteller on stage with an audience. She was the first of several black models hired to promote a corporate trademark. She had an amicable personality and talent as a cook. One of the families that she cooked for was the Charles Walker family of Chicago, at the time a very prominent family, whose children grew up to be a Chicago Circuit Court judge and a doctor. She had a no visible role in raising the children of Charles Walker, and having that relationship helped establish the brand of Aunt Jemima because the Walkers loved her, and when she was hired, they helped spread the word about her getting this job. She was offered by Quaker Oats a lifetime contract to become Aunt Jemima and to promote the pancake mix. This marked the beginning of a major promotional push by the company that included thousands of personal appearances. There was all kinds of Aunt Jemima merchandising. Nancy Green, Aunt Jemima, helped organize the Olivet Baptist Church. Her career allowed her the financial freedom to become an activist and to engage in anti-poverty programs. She was well paid. She was one of the first black missionary workers. She used her stature as a spokesperson to become a leading advocate against poverty and in favor of equal rights for all people, all people in Chicago. So, by erasing her now and removing her image from the syrup bottle, the Quaker Oats Company has kowtowed to the flaming leftists and black activists who say that the image is based on racial bias. And... It might, because of all the other sensitivities that have been raised, it might offend people now. But prejudicial and racist, I mean, she was a successful endorser. She was a successful model. She had a prominent role in the establishment of a brand that became leading in its category. I'll bet you this professor... This Rache Richardson, whatever, I bet this woman does not mention or maybe even know who Nancy Green was and her contributions to real change and reform and upward mobility and the things that she did for real people. No, 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 no. Quaker Oats can do what they want. Don't misunderstand. I just, there's always a truth behind the misconception of news disseminated by the drive bys. Well, you're going to be waiting a long time for Paul Newman to be removed from spaghetti sauce and salad dressing.
because that's his company. That's his company. He may have assumed room temperature, but why did Paul Newman trigger you? Oh, he reminds you of white gangsters. And you're scared. Okay. Mr. Snurdly says that Paul Newman triggers him. It was um, the Sting movie that got you, right? Yeah. yeah. I can understand that. Understand that. Okay. Well, I'm saying you're going to be dreaming long and hard for Paul Newman to be removed from spaghetti sauce, salad, and don't forget the popcorn. In four minutes of a 10-minute clip, Rush Limbaugh told America more about Nancy Green and Aunt Jemima than all of the Mockingbirds combined. We'll continue to discuss race. We played Rush yesterday talking about the soft bigotry of low expectations. I will give you a shining, actually, very depressing example of that, but something we can learn from your phone calls, 800-282-2882. It's Todd Herman, your guide today on the EIB Network. We heard earlier uh, Rush talk about Obamacare and the the myth of shovel-ready jobs and all this money that the Democrats love to hand out as it eats away at the pie of Americans and the the, the economic pie. Just an update. Uh, Congress has just approved the $1.9 trillion spending orgy that has about 9% of the dollars or, or so tied to COVID. But I see that the Mockingbirds are dutifully calling it a COVID relief and celebrating it. So I'm sure we'll talk about that tomorrow. Biden's apparently going to sign that on Friday. We've also been talking about uh, race relations. We'll get to more of Russia's wisdom on that and and some real life examples of how the soft bigotry of low expectations just just absolutely puts people at risk, particularly black people. First, I want to take a phone call. Wes, the truck driver in Ogden, Utah. Wes, you're on the Rush Limbaugh program. Todd Herman filling in as your guide today. Hi, Wes. Well, hey, Todd. It's good to be here. Great to have you, sir. I love Ogden. Welcome. The first time I've ever called, um, Miss Rush, uh, my condolences to his family and Catherine on his tragic loss. It was tragic. I understand your your grandpa turned you on to him. Is that right? Yes, my grandfather turned me on to him. When he was on television and NBC ah. <laughs> in the early 80s, yes. I also grew up in Sacramento, California, so I was familiar with him. I never really listened to him until my grandfather turned me on to him. And, uh, you know, I was a liberal. You know, I was a Democrat. Wow. And, uh, well, you know, he convinced me. I really started looking at things. And, uh, yeah, I've been a conservative ever since. So, well, God bless Rush for that. That's awesome. Amen to that. Um, the, the reason I was calling is uh, I get into arguments with some of my liberal f- friends about how our constitutional rights are being violated with everything going on with the cancel culture today. You know, and I just I don't know how to respond to them anymore. You know, it's, I, it's just infuriating. You know, I was growing up on on Dr. Seuss yeah. and Disney and all these things that are just being pulled because they're offending somebody. And so they're just canceling them. And, you know, I, I think, well, that's our First Amendment right. You know, it's somebody's First Amendment right that created that form of art. And it's just being destroyed now, and it seems to be okay. What's going to be next? Right. And how do you respond to these people that are just oblivious to it? They seem okay with it. Well, I, I, I look, when people are that far lost that they don't recognize what's actually happening, it's very frustrating. And, and the Democrats are very clever because they have joined forces with Silicon Valley uh, to disappear this book and that book and to disappear this article about Hunter Biden and that article about Hunter Biden. And I think what I might say to your friends is um, 
I think I might reframe it a little bit, and I might say something along the lines of, well, I, I guess we're just different. Um, I, I just, I, I guess I trust myself to read um, between the lines and to study and source material. And I understand that you, you know, you sort of need some handholding. So, you know, I guess if, if, if that's an issue of safety for you and, and you need some handholding and maybe some screening to make sure that you aren't confronted with things that, that cause you to have to do that sort of research, I get it. I mean, you're busy and it's very scary to be confronted with information that, that, you know, might just fall outside your realm of comfort. So, if if it's a comfort zone thing for you and you just like people to pre-read that stuff for you, maybe one of the things you should look into is having people pre-chew your food because that could, you can find <laughs> glass in your – in fact, I'll pre-chew some of your food for you. And you're gonna, they're going to have them looking at you like, you want to what? Well, no, I mean it's, it's just an issue of danger because you might well run oh. into a piece of glass. I could run into it. So why don't I – look, give me – and take them out to lunch and then chew some of their food and spit it on their plate and say, there you go. I can tell you there's no glass in that. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I just wonder, when are we going to stop, you know, governing and creating policy based on everybody's feelings and get back to governing based on fact and what? constitution? Exactly. And look, here's another thing, uh, Wes. And let me let me let me just use a, a real life example. OK, uh, I want to use a real life example for you. It's a little bit different in Ogden. Uh, I'm going to talk to folks here about something that's, that's happened once again in Seattle, not because I'm trying to make it a Seattle show, just because it's where I romp around. So, Wes, I want to, uh, Wes, I want to thank you for the phone call and just know that you've inspired this comment, Wes. Um, there is my friend Jason Rantz at my radio station, KTTH, has an exclusive article about how a bunch of bigwig leftist politicians and agitators have kept a kid out of prison. And he's not, I mean, I look, I'm all in on trying to redeem kids and trying to keep them out of the system and, and second chances and maybe third chances, but not like this. This is a tale of the soft bigotry of low expectations and intelligence meeting each other. I'm going to guess this kid is very intelligent because he's he's observed this environment and what he can get away with, and he's getting away with it. And the soft bigotry of low expectations is racism on display. This kid's name um, is is Jaquan. So is Jaquan Shannon. He's now 16. When he was 14, he did a bunch of crime in three days. Three days. Two counts of drive-by shooting, attempting to elude a police officer, uh, police vehicle, hit and run, attended by a ve- or attended vehicle, unlawful possession of a firearm in the second degree, attempted robbery in the first degree, robbery in the first degree, two counts, assault in the second degree. Those happened over the course of three days when he was 14. The liberals have attempted to keep him out of jail and out of prison. Jaquan kept doing crimes. He was recently arrested for a violent carjacking attempt, whereby I understand he put a pistol in a person's face. This according to what I've read from Jason Rand. When he was arrested, he was wearing a no-youth-jail t-shirt that is the brand of one of the groups that has kept this young man out of jail this young man so dangerous to his community now i'm betting jaquan's really clever and smart he knows he's got it made there because a bunch of liberals are saying to black people we know you can't control your impulses this is what they're saying Wait, look, let's just face it. Black people can't control themselves. 
We, we can't hold black people responsible for crimes. Further, Jaquan's being told that everything you want's already been stolen by white people. Go take it. We got your back. The tragedy is Jaquan's a child. He's a human soul. He has promise. But he is now putting himself into the pattern of criminality that's so hard to get out of because people get jazzed by it. I mean, you're beating the system. In this case, Jaquan's actually participating with the system. We'll get more of Rush's great wisdom as we continue and your phone calls. Todd Herman, your guide today on the EIB Network. Yes, indeed. And let's bring that right forward. Let me start by just paying off what I said to Wes uh, from Ogden. He originally called asking about how to convince liberals that their rights are being lost and the disappearance of books, etc., is bad for them. And, and I took this occasion to say, well, look, there is a case of this young man who's 16 years old. He's been allowed to continue committing crimes and these these white liberals in Seattle and uh, some non-white activists, agitators have kept this kid out of prison, d- despite the fact he's got to be rehabilitated or, or one day a criminal life th- like this will end in a violent death. It's it's almost statistically certain. And he's been told his whole life by white power brokers in Seattle, you were stolen from. The only way to get ahead is to take either the government takes for you or you take. This is the message in West Coast cities, Los Angeles and San Francisco and and in some East Coast cities and in Midwest cities like Chicago. This is this is part of the hustle of convincing these kids, look, you're already a victim and we're not going to put you in prison because, you know, we don't do that. And he's arrested for for a, a violent carjacking attempt. He's wearing a no youth jail T-shirt. He's saying, I get it, guys. You can't touch me. He's been sold victimhood. You're a victim. Fight back. Go steal. Go take. So he's a clever kid. He's looked at his environment and said, I can get away with this. Installing in your mind that you are a victim is one of the things Rush warned us against. Life can be unfair. One of the many core lessons Rush taught us. Life can be unfair. Life can and will be hard. If you name yourself a victim, you're going to put yourself in a bad place to get out of that. And because this program, Rushes, was the largest radio show ever, every single day was the largest town halls in history. And this meant Rush, talking about race relations or anything else, could take a great breadth of human beings and enjoy hearing about their intelligence guided by experience. And Rush did that. He really enjoyed this conversation with Marie, a female minority CEO. Here's uh, Marie in Dayton, Ohio. Glad you waited and welcome to the program. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm a first-time caller and I just wanted to say that I, I, I am not a victim. I am a minority. I don't believe in victimhood. But Racism does exist, and it comes from the Democratic Party. A lot of people miss this. Elizabeth Warren said during the debate that she said that we need to pay people more so we can pay the black and brown people who do this work when she was referring to child care work. And what that tells me is that she believes that black and brown people are the ones that do that work. When there's white people that do honorable and good work of child care, but brown and black people are also entrepreneurs. And it's our persistence and our perseverance and our belief in a strong work ethic and our belief in the American dream that helps us overcome and become business owners. And I myself, I mean, I, 
I was fired from my company and I bought the company that fired me two years later. But it wasn't because... Wait just a minute. You know, you just can't flash that bias. You were fired by a company and you bought it two years later. How did you do that? Um, well, it was a fluke. I, I never thought I'd be CEO of the company. I was selling medical diagnostic equipment to diagnose dizziness, concussion, and traumatic brain injuries. And I was fired because they said, uh, ironically, they said, I'm making too much money because... I'm not educated, I'm not a doctor, and doctors should be selling to doctors. I shouldn't be making that kind of money. I was straight commission, and so they fired me. And at that time, I was a single mom with four kids, minority, but I didn't say I'm a victim or it's a, it's a crime from the white man. No, I went out and I worked, and I worked my butt off. And then I started another company, and I earned enough money that when they found out how well I was doing, they called and they said, hey, are you interested in investing? And I said, interested in investing? Well, let me take a look at the book. So your, your point is, your point, you're a minority business owner. You have actually per- yeah, you've actually purchased a company and fired you. And, and, yeah. But you still think the Democrats still think that you're too stupid to do anything but menial work. Exactly. And that's what they say. If you listen to the debate and you listen to everything they say, they think you're too stupid. You need the government to help you. Because they exactly because they pander to you. That's exactly you said it. She said it. Not she's a minority businesswoman. She said it. That's exactly how the Democrat Party looks at minorities as incapable. You know what the biggest problem is? The soft bigotry of low expectations. And that's what the Democrat Party and the American left does to minorities. One of the worst things, if you're a parent and you have kids, one of the worst things you can do is have low expectations of them and tell them that. If you expect great things from them, that's motivating. And it can become self-fulfilling. But if you have low expectations and it's exactly the Democrats are built on that philosophy, the soft bigotry of low expectation. You can't do much. You can't do it on your own. You can't do it without us. But it's not just minorities that the Democrats treat that way. It's a whole lot of their voter base. That's how they look. That's the preferred constituency, people who just can't do much on their own. And it's obvious here for Marie, she's offended as hell by that. And I, given what she's done, I totally understand. I'm glad you called. Thank you so much. So, what are the great tragedies uh, in, in, of, of the Obama era? Was, how many stories are there like this? This pretense that the left is shoving down the holes of, of, of American kids, that we are irre- irreparably racist, that we're structurally racist that they continue to teach and, and magnify and repeat this and, and, and propagandize it with, with help from the Mockingbird media, propagandizing the great evil of, 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 of being a, this country and of, of, of your white skin. That's, and that's not taught maybe in, in your cities yet, but it will come. It's, it's being inserted in all the schools. How many stories, truly, I mean, you and I together right now, we're the greatest, largest radio audience in history, courtesy of Russia's great talent. And in this audience, I would imagine there's hundreds of thousands of Marines who could tell the story. One of the great tragedies was Barack Obama chose not to broadcast that. 
He chose not to make an example of that. He chose instead to racially agitate. If out of son, he'd look like Trayvon Martin. Well, he might have looked like him. And your daughters went to a very exclusive school. The most exclusive school. In D.C., well, you saw fit to do away with charter schools so that other kids who looked like your kids might have the advantage of not being stuck in government schools, which aren't, they're not public schools. They're government schools. Barack Obama could have done that. Joe Biden could do this. The Democrat Party could do this. The Republican Party did it. One of the most remarkable nights I remember, and I remember Rush talking about this, and President Trump hitting it out of the park during the virtual convention. They raised the voices of people. Black people, some who had been behind bars and were redeemed and redeemed them themselves. Some who'd never been behind bars but experienced racism. And they rose above it and became dynamic successes. There's these examples you can share. Obama could have done this. But something else was more important. Obama could have spoken about urban gang violence. Instead, he pointed at my AR-15 and and, and, and your uh, your 3010 rifle. Why? Because the mission wasn't to lift people. The mission was to tell people, I will hand down to you. The scraps of substance, of sustenance. You can have a subservient living, just enough to stay where you're at voting for us. But the media pretended that it was Rush Limbaugh, the racist. Remarkable. Get some more of your phone calls in, more of Rush's words as we continue. It's Todd Herman in on the EIB Network. I really just want you to know the amount of work that goes on behind the scenes to put this program together. It's mine is the least of it. The team EIB behind the scenes who build these programs for you as we bring Rush's words into the modern day news. It's uh, just a labor of love. So please uh, be thankful in your hearts for that. Let's talk to Kim Rockport, Maine. Kim, you're on the Rush Limbaugh program. Todd Herman, your guide today on EIB. Hi, Kim. Hey, Todd. You guys are terrific. You're doing a great job. I love the title guide. And yeah. I know, I know what sort of pain you're going through because... I'm going through it with you. Yeah. Um, I tuned in on the 17th, and I at the top of the show, and the theme music came on, and then Rush usually comes in, you know, voiceover, and he didn't. And there was yeah. a little bit of dead air, and then Catherine came on. Yeah. And I knew right away what the deal was. Yeah. And I began to weep a little bit, but I listened very carefully, and I've replayed it a couple of times. And as soon as she was finished, I'm 74. I've got three grand, grandchildren and two in the oven, as we used to say. Um, I went online. I bought three sets of Rush's Rush Revere books. I, I already own a set for myself, but I bought three sets. And... 
and sending them off to uh, my grandchildren. Now they're two girls, three, one boy just coming up on four. Uh, but at this point in your life, you start to think about what you are going to pass along mm. of your wit and wisdom and whatever else you might be valuable to your grandchildren. I never sort of thought about it. It's kind of a new mm. experience for me. And you gave and uh, wanted... you gave them Rush's books. Full set for each of the awesome. grandchildren, and I wrote them a letter. Awesome. I'd like to uh, read. Yeah, I, I, we don't have time to read the letter, and, and Rush had a rule. <laughs> Rush had a rule. Never let the callers read on the air because it's harder. He used to say, I'm a trained broadcast professional, so he would do that. Um, you said so much already, Kim, and I can hear in your voice the pain that you're in. And let me just tell you this. I know that Catherine, because she told me so uh, when we did an interview together, labored over those books so much. She loved them so much, and Rush enjoyed doing the voices You've given your, your grandkids an enormous gift, and I just really am glad you got through today to communicate that to us. Thank you so much, Kim, for that. And God, just just God, just give you comfort, man. I appreciate you being part of the EIB uh, listener family all these years. And you spoke of books and, and Rush's love of education. Rush spoke about Hillsdale College. It was in such high regard. It's because they saw the world the same way Rush did. Hillsdale's professors and leadership know not to take our freedom and liberties for granted. And they share that message in their teaching, even if you never visit their campus. And Rush explained that to you and I in a number of ways. Folks, you have an opportunity to learn a lot about our freedoms and just how much they're under assault these days. And you know, American liberty and freedom is not just to say we're free and freedom is defined as such. American liberty and freedom are the kind of liberty and freedom that required blood to be sacrificed, lives to be sacrificed. The kind of freedom that way too many Americans take for granted has to be fought for constantly. It's not the natural way to exist because of power-mad individuals. It's the natural way we're created. Human beings yearn to be free, but there are people that want to put the kibosh on that, and it has to be fought for. Hillsdale College specializes in teaching about American freedom and liberty. They've been defending and explaining American freedom for 175 years, their entire existence. The topic is a cornerstone of the teaching that happens at Hillsdale, no matter the time of year. It's year-round. It's that important. Now, one of the ways they do it, they have a monthly speech digest called Imprimus that they publish. Five million subscribers. It's free. You'd never see these speeches. You'd never be able to read these words if uh, Hillsdale did not compile them together. They choose one speech every month to transcribe and share with people that care in written form. Gives you another point of view. They're all oriented toward freedom and liberty and how precious it is. If you'd like to subscribe to Imprimus, it's easy to do because it's free. Online, sign up at RushForHillsdale.com. That's simple. RushForHillsdale.com. Rush uses voice in so many ways to help so many businesses grow Businesses he believed in and enterprises he believed in, like Hillsdale College. I'll come back, and we're going to tell you really something very cool tomorrow that we're going to do that, that Rush was so far ahead of his time on this. We'll get to that when we come back. It's Todd Herman, your guide on the EIB Network today. On May thirteenth, 2015, Rush Limbaugh said that liberals had rediscovered an old communist theory on poverty and DNA, and he was right. 
He also talked about something called Lysenkoism. And that five years ago, no, six years ago, Rush predicted some of the techniques that Democrats and, and, and bureaucrats and technocrats like Tony Fauci would use to politicize this virus, as, as I see it. Every time we do these programs and hear from people with the great tributes to Rush and, and, and how people came down, we heard about bus drivers bringing people to Rush and grandpas and families. Uh, and we've had several people say, how can we educate people about the importance of their rights? Let's start with a promise that you and I together will talk to the next generations about the importance of recognizing that our rights come from God Almighty. Because if they don't come from God Almighty... They're not rights. They're allowances. Allowances can be taken and given. They're human-caused. And the great American experiment stems from God-given rights, unalienable even, can't be taken. And maybe Rush would approve of that sort of teaching. I mean, there are the Revere books. It's been an honor to be your guide today. It's Todd Herman for the EIB Network. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping America's heroes and their families since 9-11. These are our first responders and service members who serve our communities and our country, or those who die in the line of duty or are severely injured, and our veterans who fought for our nation's freedoms only to return home, fall on tough times, and become homeless. Heroes like Buffalo firefighter Jason Arno and his family. Arno was killed while protecting his community, battling a warehouse fire. He left behind his wife and a young daughter. In their darkest hour, Tunnel to Towers provided Arno's wife and daughter with a mortgage-free home. The foundation lifted a financial burden, enabling them to stay in the home where they made memories with their hero. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. Support the families of America's greatest heroes, the families of fallen first responders like Jason Arno, plus Gold Star families with young kids, severely injured service members, and homeless veterans. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. Pure Talk, the cell phone service my family relies on, is now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. As you plan your summer travel, make sure your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Unlimited talk, text, plenty of 5G data for just $20 a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Go to puretalk.com slash clay and make the switch today. That's puretalk.com slash clay and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Switch to Pure Talk so you can have more money to travel with this summer. Grand Canyon University, a private Christian university in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, believes that we're endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. GCU believes in equal opportunity and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams, offering over 330 academic programs as of September 2023. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University, private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu.